0: Hello, and welcome to another great message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and video related to this message, please visit www.parkviewchurch.org. The Beatitudes are just incredible. It's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and today we come to the uh, fourth Beatitude. Let me read it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And the word is uh, cortazo, uh, to be filled uh, to the point of satisfaction, to be completely filled or completely satisfied. And uh, you, you look at those words, hunger and thirst, and I know in the United States, we don't normally uh, think, it doesn't hit us very hard when we think of hunger or thirst, um, more personally for us, if we're thinking of hungering, we're thinking of a Big Mac attack. If we think of thirsting, you know, it's more like it's Miller time. But uh, in other parts of the world, most parts of the world, whenever uh, we use the words hunger and thirst, it, it, it strikes an accord. Mother Teresa in India said people are starving physically, but in America, people are starving emotionally. They're starving spiritually. So we all have this deep hunger inside. So it's hard for us to even identify when somebody says, I am completely fulfilled, I am totally satisfied. It's hard for us uh, to identify with those things. And we're probably uh, more familiar with terms like, like, uh, I don't know, I'm a little bored with life, or life is empty, I I feel restless, I feel like I need something different, something new, something's missing, there's certainly got to be something more uh, to life than this. And so we wrestle with those kinds of questions, and I think it's because of that uh, the Rolling Stones uh, single that was so incredibly popular a number of years ago, uh, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. It just struck an accord, especially in America, all over the world, though. I can't get no satisfaction. That's exactly where people are. I, I just can't get to that point where I feel fulfilled and totally satisfied uh, with life. And so uh, there In the Bible, when it talks about satisfaction, I I think it's because we're we're looking and we'll discover it. It's because we're looking in all the wrong places. Um, Let me give you a summary of the Beatitudes. Again, it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and so I sort of defined it. It's in your it's in your handout. Uh, The Beatitudes as a Christian. Again, it's not do these things and you'll become a Christian, but the the as a Christian, the Beatitudes reveal how life is to be lived as a citizen of God's kingdom under the reign of Christ. This is an example of how a believer lives, the character qualities of a believer. Or every Christian is intended to manifest all of these character qualities. However, none of these qualities come naturally. Okay? All of these qualities must first demand salvation, which will result in a new life, And will obviously give you a new power source, the Holy Spirit, to live them out. So we've dealt with three Beatitudes already. The first three deal with needs. This one deals with desire. So why then are so many people unsatisfied with life? Why are so many people unfulfilled in life? And it sort of reminds me of Johnny Lee's song years ago. Uh, it's because we're looking, looking for love in all the wrong places. It's because we're looking for fulfillment. We're looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. I'm going to give us a few places that we typically look for uh, satisfaction and fulfillment. So we look for lasting fulfillment or satisfaction. And we understand that it doesn't come from pleasure. A lot of times people will say, oh, if I could just make it to the weekend, just make it because we're going to have a party, we're going to go on a vacation, we're going to take some time off, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to experience something, it's going to be so much fun. And so people look for fulfillment, whether it be in uh, the next cruise or the next um, party on the weekend, and uh, or maybe it might be... Uh, take some time off and go watch my favorite team play a game. So maybe some people are watching the Hawks now. I think it's this afternoon they'll be playing in the championship uh, Big Ten game, uh, the baseball team. Then I'll be fulfilled. Then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll, uh, then I'll be happy. But the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 1, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Or another paraphrase says, no matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're never content. And that's exactly what advertising does. Advertising tries to get us to the point where if we could just have this or just experience this, then you're really going to be satisfied in life. And so the advertisements go, this is the taste that will satisfy, or this is the drink, or the food, or the car, or the experience that will ultimately satisfy. And when you think about it, bad habits really are just reoccurring attempts by us to find and achieve some sort of satisfaction and fulfillment in life. But if that were so, then one puff would do it. One drink would do it. One affair would do it. One look would do it. One trip would do it. But all it does is really sends us on a quest for more. We have to have more and more because we're looking for fulfillment and satisfaction in all the wrong places. And so we say, well, uh, this particular wife doesn't fulfill or satisfy, so I think I'll try and look for another one or another husband or, or this job. I, I'm not finding fulfillment in this job. So certainly if I look elsewhere, I'll find fulfillment and satisfaction there. So I'll just get another job or I'll go back to school and try a different career. And I think the average in the United States is seven different Seven different jobs minimum, five different careers in a lifetime. It's because we're looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. Or it even gets worse. We think, well, then I'll even try and break perceived societal rules. And maybe if I break these societal rules, that will give me satisfaction. So we turn to alcohol, we turn to drugs, we turn to one-night stands, things like that but all that is is Hebrews 11.25 that's talking about enjoying the fleeting, the fleeting pleasures of sin. In other words, it's just not going to last. It's a poor, poor substitute for the real thing. And, And the Bible calls it sin. In other words, you're... You're missing the mark. That's the word sin just means to miss the mark. You're missing the mark by trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment in the wrong thing. That's what sin is. You're just trying to discover it, trying to find it, trying to achieve it by looking the wrong place. Secondly, lasting fulfillment or satisfaction doesn't come from performance. Now, a lot of us, especially if you've come from a church background, there's There's probably not a a big chance of us delving into some of those, you know, the, the nasty nine, the dirty dozen, those kinds of things. But we'll do it with, well, maybe I'll find satisfaction in life by working hard, by performing. And so many of us, and I certainly tend down this road, is to become a workaholic. And we think, well, if I just really, really work hard, if I can really just perform Then I'll find fulfillment and satisfaction. But Ecclesiastes says this. Now, I dare you, take this verse, laminate it, and then just glue it on your professor's door or glue it up on your boss's door. Uh, What does a man get for all his hard work? Days of sorrow and grief, restless nights. Now, that's true. I mean, that really is true. If you're a workaholic, you end up with grief and restless nights. Because if you're trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction by working hard, you'll never arrive. You'll never get there. Because sometimes, Ecclesiastes 2 says, a person who's toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by somebody who didn't toil for it. And that's vanity. So there's also a myth that says success. If you can just succeed at it, that will give satisfaction. And then that's not true as well. One person has no other, either a son or a bro- brother, and yet there's no end to all of his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied. And So he asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is vanity and unhappy business. Or as the Living Bible says, man is always Working. Man is always striving to achieve, but it's never. He's never satisfied. It was interesting. I was talking to my bro- my son-in-law Ben about this, about achieving, and does it really give satisfaction? Does it really, does it really give a uh, fulfillment in life? And uh, it was so interesting because you know he he mentioned that. Oftentimes, after success, uh, there's a huge feeling of letdown. There's actually a clinical name for this. It's called uh, post-performance depression, PPD. But after a huge success, there's a letdown. And the more enormity of the success or failure, either success or failure, that, fe- that letdown feeling actually uh, goes up. And so we were talking about it, and, and you know, Ben was saying, yeah. And it, so, like, in the, in the area of baseball, it might be the like last night when the Hawks were playing in the semifinals to get to the championship game. In the thir- top of the 13th inning, a guy hits the home run, you know, and we think, ah, that will be fulfilling, that will give success, but it actually will end up in a letdown. Or the opposite side of that same coin, if... The game's on the line, the bases are loaded, you're up, you're up at the plate and you strike out and the, your team loses again. Uh, you didn't succeed, that results in a letdown too. And so as I was chatting with Ben about this, he said, yeah, it's because, it's because um, we're thinking that fulfillment or satisfaction can be tied to an action that's being glorified but we were never designed to have fulfillment or satisfaction from an action being glorified, but from an identity being glorified, specifically God and more specifically his glorified son Jesus Christ. So it makes all the sense in the world if we're putting our hopes and fulfillment or success in something, an action that we do, we glorify the action, but we were never designed to be fulfilled through an action that's glorified, only through an identity, only in Christ. Thirdly, lasting satisfaction or fulfillment doesn't come from possessions, and the Bible tells us over and over and over. Um, Not that it's wrong to have them, but you'll never find fulfillment there. You think about it. In the last 10 years, we've got three times more products than we had 10, uh, 10 years ago. But are you three times more happy? If your computer is three times faster, are you three times happier? And the answer is, no, you're not. Um, it's not tied together. Ecclesiastes 5 says, "He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income." This is vanity. Chapter 5 also says in the Living Bible, uh, paraphrase, he who loves money will never have enough. The foolishness of thinking that wealth will bring happiness. So then what is the secret then to total satisfaction? That's what this beatitude is all about. Happy is the one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness for they're the ones who will be totally satisfied or, or fulfilled. So what's the secret there? Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you... Now follow me, because there are so many people who absolutely, totally destroy this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, for he will give you the desires of your heart. And so a very seductive way of interpreting that would be, oh, I'll just be happy with Jesus and then he'll give me all the things that I want. He'll give me the desire. I have a desire for a new car. I have a desire for a new house. I have a desire for you know, this kind of vacation or I have a desire for so-and-so. And we attribute that to this verse and this verse is not at all saying these things. I've already pointed out in a number of verses, those things will never fulfill They'll never fulfill. The Bible over and over and over tells us those kinds of things will never give fulfillment. It's delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. In other words, the desire of your heart ultimately is that your fulfillment and your satisfaction comes by glorifying in an identity. Your fulfillment, the desire of your heart is that you're fulfilled by glorifying in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you that desire of your heart down deep is to find ultimate satisfaction in in him, not in an action that you do or a success. That's performance orientation. That's what you're freed from. That's what righteousness is. We'll get there in just a second. So happiness and satisfaction are the byproduct of seeking God first. So how then do you really experience complete satisfaction in life? You can start by recognizing your real hunger. What is your real hunger? I mean, if you ask somebody, hey, what are you hungry for? What do you want to drink? What do the people say? I don't care. What do you want? You know, where do you want to go? I mean, nobody knows. Um, but the truth of the matter is, the Bible is very clear to uncover what people are designed to hunger and thirst for. The Bible says that we're spiritual beings and God made us to love him and to be loved by him. And Nothing will ever take the place of that. There's no substitute. So your real hunger is your spiritual being craving God. And the sooner you recognize that, the better. So that's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be totally satisfied and fulfilled. So what is this righteousness? What is righteousness? So you might be here, you might be visiting Parkview, uh, and you haven't been to church hardly at all. Uh, You don't like church and you don't like anybody who goes to church, but somebody drug you here today. Uh, So when you hear that, hunger and thirst for righteousness, what do you think? To you, the term sounds so stinking negative. It just sounds like a bunch of rules and regulations and and things that will only dampen life and suck the joy right out of it. After all, uh, what righteousness means is not doing the things I want to do and having to do the things I don't want to do. So I'm not even sure I want it. Or maybe, perhaps, if you've been to church and you're here just because it's the thing you're supposed to do and your parents have drugged you to church for years, to you, uh, you're not so uh, enamored by this word righteousness either. For you, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And quite frankly, it seems like it's going to demand you to do things that, in your mind, just borders on a waste of time. I mean, why would I have to get up and read my Bible and pray every day? I, I go to church once a week. Isn't that enough? Why would I have to fill my life with all these other things? And then I'll even, I'll even justify that thinking by saying, sounds like Pharisaism to me. Isn't that what the Pharisees want? I, I don't want that. Well, if those are your thoughts, then you probably would agree with what Mark Twain said. He said, having spent considerable time with good people, I can certainly understand why Jesus liked to be with tax collectors and sinners. And the truth of the matter is, that is what's bound up in the word righteousness. That's what's bound up in it. That's exactly what we need. That's how this the beatitude started. It started with tax collectors and sinners. That's who it belongs to: tax collectors and sinners. Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. It's the tax collectors and and the sinners who need the righteousness that they can't muster, that they can't do. It, that's why it's a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's by faith. As Paul says in his epistle and the Romans, to the Romans. Now, I put this little three sentences, it's in your outline, and what I did was in uh, Martin lloyd Jones's commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7. I summarize that chapter in three sentences. I put it there so you'll just have to spend some time digesting it. Here it is. Righteousness includes not only justification, in other words, I can become right with God, not because of what I'm doing, but because God sent his son to die for me because he loves me. He dies in my place and credits Christ's righteousness to my account. Again, not because I deserve it or can earn it. Or sanctification, I become like Christ uh, in action, what I am already in position. This is over a course of time. So negatively, it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness, means ultimately that I desire to be free from sin and its power, but also to be free from the very desire for sin and to be free from self along with all its horrible manifestations. But on the positive side, so it means righteousness means I don't want to do those things that, that are contrary to who God is, but on the other hand, I, I hunger and thirst because I, I want to be holy and to live like Christ in all of his fullness by the power of his spirit. So how can God help me get there, Jeff? I'm not there. How can I get there? Well, you remember the story of the children of Israel. You remember the story of Moses as he took them through the Red Sea into the desert. You remember they wandered For 40 years and as they wandered god provided what for them to eat god gave them manna to eat that's right there were no chick-fil-a's there are no taco bells there are no um no other restaurants there god provided manna but notice what deuteronomy says the purpose of that was God humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. He did this to help you realize that real life comes from obeying every command of God. So he let them go hungry. Why? So they would recognize their incredible need for him. Nothing else would satisfy. They had to hunger him and depend on him. So God lets us all get hungry in a lot of different areas so that we will see our need for him. Um, even, even though hunger and thirst isn't a big problem, in, in the, well, it is to some people, but it's not a big problem in the United States, uh, but we do hunger for meaning. We hunger for purpose. We hunger for security and relationships and friendships, and we, we hunger for love. Uh, the, the, the godly kind of love, the love in spite of kind of love and companionship and peace with God. So God allows all kinds of circumstances to come into our lives to help us to see our need for him. So if you're saying, uh, Jeff, I am so unfulfilled in life. You just won't believe. I thought for sure it meant a new job. I thought for sure it might mean a new new spouse or, or a new location or something. Uh, what is this? is this? Is this good? Is this bad if I'm so dissatisfied with life? And all I'm trying to say, this is awesome. This is this Deuteronomy. It's God is trying to get your attention and God is going to use the hungering of your body and soul and spirit emotions uh, to convince you that really the only thing you really need is him. God is trying to tell you right now, you don't need pleasure. You don't need performance. You don't. You, you don't need uh, drugs or alcohol or possessions or financial security or health or any of those things. Really, not not that. Not that pleasure and and uh, a vacation and money. It's not that anything's wrong with those things. They just can't fulfill okay i think god delights in giving us some of these things but they'll never meet that down deep issue of fulfillment in our lives so that's good god is telling you that right now notice god didn't say this blessed are those who are righteous god didn't say that blessed are the righteous that would drive us right to performance but he says, blessed are those who are hungry for it, who are thirsty for it. Because if you're hungering it, thirsting for it, that's a sign ultimately that you're alive. That's a sign of life. There are portions of China, and I'm not sure which portions they are, but the cultural tradition was that when somebody died, they would bury the person along with some food, usually bread, food and water. Now, I will guarantee you when somebody died and they put the food and the water in there in the coffin, the corpse didn't say, thank you. They didn't do it. I'll guarantee you if you were to dig them up a few weeks later, you'd dig them up and there would be the food untouched by the corpse anyway. And there's, the water would be there. Why? The point is, dead people don't eat or drink so what marks a corpse is deadness hunger and thirst are a sign of life so if you're hungering if you're thirsting for meaning and purpose and fulfillment that's a sign of life if if you're not hungering it or thirsting for it then that's a red flag that's an indicator of deadness so you might say jeff then what are some practical ways that this beatitude says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness those are the ones who'll be totally satisfied and fulfilled what are some practical ways so you want to start by recognizing your real hunger secondly you want to stop eating junk food stop eating junk food You go into the stores, and most of the stores are filled with stuff that will kill you. Um, Matter of fact, I'm sure it was Don Kaiser had this on my, had it on my podium here when I started the message. Uh, Thanks, Don. Appreciate that. (laughs) Or maybe, no, it wasn't you. Okay. Uh, Stop eating drunk food. Uh, Isaiah 55.2 says this, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. You know, it's amazing to me, having lived in Iowa City, going on my 27th year now, Iowa City has stuff that can offer you every single day day of the year Uh, they're good things there are a lot of things that just can fill your life but all i'm saying is it's temporary it won't ultimately satisfy your appetite then you need to be careful will be influenced by your associations if you get around hungry people you too will be hungry if you get around people who like junk food you too will eat junk food but um it's it's very addictive I think back to when my two boys were very young. Uh, They adored their mother, and um, they they always spoke to Cheryl. They would always give Cheryl these three words, uh, just communicating to them very clearly, communicating to her very clearly of of what what she needs to hear. What do you think those three words were, these three endearing words that they would tell Cheryl? What do you think? Uh, that's not I love you. It's mom, I'm hungry. <laughs> and, and the moment those two boys would say that, you know, you'd have four girls, four sisters. And, yeah, me too, me too. So whoever you hang out with is what you're going to hunger for. So just understand that you can hang around people who will hunger for stuffing, Just stuff that stuffs their lives. So the encouragement would be, hang around people who satisfy their hearts and their minds and their souls with the things of the Lord, with the things that ultimately please him. Uh, That is what will give you complete satisfaction. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I think many of you, and we hear so many testimonies, many of you are here today because you were around other people who hungered and thirsted for righteousness. You're here because of the influence that they had upon your life. Uh, Doug shared a couple of testimonies even last week of how people are influenced by their hungering and their thirsting uh, for righteousness. And that's why we we underscore uh, the desire that we would have for you to get plugged into some sort of a community group or situation where you can rub shoulders with other people who hunger for the right things. And again, stop by that Connect counter on the way out and uh, we'd love to get you you connected in some way. Uh, Some of you have walked away from God. And uh, some of you just don't have the hunger for God like you once used to have. And, and again, I would just say, stop stuffing yourself with junk food. Uh, you know, you've probably bought into the culture lock, stock, and barrel, and you're, you're stuffing yourselves with things and attitudes and events. You're stuffing yourself with things that don't really satisfy in life. So just be careful. Be careful of what, what you're... Th- again, not that there's anything wrong with going to a baseball game. Not that there's anything wrong going on a vacation. Not that there's anything wrong with buying a new car or anything. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't think that that ultimately is what's going to fulfill you and satisfy your soul, okay? So let me make that point real clear. So start by recognizing your real hunger. Stop eating junk food and then start looking to Jesus for complete satisfaction. I want to close by looking at a couple of verses out of John. Uh, John 6 says, Jesus said to them, again, we're talking about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, those two words. So Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's a hunger thirst. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he's going to live forever. So he's saying, ultimately it's found in me. Or likewise in John 4, Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I'm going to give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give, I'll give to him and will become in him a spring of living water, welling up to eternal life. See, it's more than just you you wanting Jesus. Uh, it's, It's a step beyond that. It's not just you wanting Jesus. It's you need Jesus. If you want to live, if you want life, you need Jesus. Uh, it's it's really um, I I've got to have Jesus in my life. So those are the three. I, I want him. I need him. No, it's it's I've got to have him in my life. Uh, so how do you receive? How do you receive Jesus in your life? Uh, ultimately, how how do I do that? You you might be here today and. Nobody's ever told you. Can I just tell you how simple it is? Let's just go back to those same two passages. Look how simple and easy it is. And when the, when the verses come up on the screen, you're going to see there are three verbs that are highlighted, okay? I'm the bread of life. Whoever, here's the first verb, whoever comes to me shall not, shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Come, believe. Everyone who drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I'll give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will come, become in him a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. The whole point of the message is this. You can have a starving person and you can put a banquet that will totally satisfy and fulfill their needs in front of them. But until they're willing to take that meal and eat that meal, they could die. So what Jesus is saying is that appetite is going to be fulfilled with these three verbs. Come to me. Believe in me. Drink of me. Come. Believe. Drink. Come. And then the word believe, you know, there's a notion within that word, there's the knowledge, the actual content of the gospel that I've gone through three times in this message alone that Jesus died on a cross. He created you to have a relationship with you. That's how Genesis 1 starts. He created you to have a, a relationship with you, and we decided to go our own way, and we, we fell short. And We thought we could get fulfillment, meaning, and purpose in life by, by actions or by possessing or by doing or by earning, and it could never work. And so we fell short. We tried to find pleasure in actions versus an identity, Christ. And so Jesus died on the cross for us so that our sins are actually paid for and we could be righteous right with God literally a straight stick versus a crooked stick not because of what we've done we've done but uh, an absolute free gift knowledge that's the content of the gospel That's the word believe is knowledge, but the word believe is also assent. That is to accept it as true. That does not mean, Jeff, I understand what you're saying. That's not belief. Jeff, I understand what you're saying. Belief is I accept what you're saying as true. And then it's trust. Now I am going to, I am going to rely, I am going to trust in that truth, rely upon it. Literally, I'm going to cast my weight upon that truth. That's to drink in Christ. Or John would say earlier, to receive. John 1.12, but to all who did receive, for all who would drink in Christ who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Those, I beg you to take those three steps. Come, believe, receive. And then God says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, satisfaction guaranteed. Let's all stand together and we'll close with a word of prayer. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, have you ever come to the realization uh, that something is missing in your life? There's this this uneasiness, this restlessness, and if so, hey, that's wonderful. God is creating a hunger so that he can teach you what real life is all about. And so this morning you might want to pray something like this in your heart. Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all, but I want to come to you I want to believe in you, and I want to receive you. I want to drink you in. I've tried so many other things, and they are so fleeting. They just don't last, and they're disappointing. Um, But Jesus Christ, I I want to believe in you that you love me, that you died for me, and I, I believe the very purpose that you came is to give me life, that I might have it to the full. I want to know and understand that better. I want to know you in all of your fullness. So God, I I need, need some help right now. All of us need help, Lord. We need some help to stop eating spiritual junk food and to help us, Lord, to look to you for our satisfaction, our total satisfaction. Only you can meet that inner gnawing in my heart. So we want to offer you, Lord, our lives, our hearts, our souls, our minds, our spirits. Lord, make us into the people you want us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Parkview Church. We pray that you are blessed by God's word. For additional teaching, resources, and podcasts, as well as information on who we are and our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.parkviewchurch.org.